right, here we go, part two. Are you guys excited? Part two of the episode titled The Lord's Return, Fuel for Everyday Mission. So the first part, if you hadn't listened to it yet, go back and listen to it because it was so good. Isaac was teaching just some amazing, um, just absolute truths that, man, got me jacked up, like to go do something, you know? <laughs> Every time I think about that and just think about this whole story of Scripture, it gets me really, really excited. Uh, but this part of it is to really get to that kind of practical um, piece to it. And I, I want to open it up with, I hadn't seen him in a number of years. Like, you know, whenever you've known someone since fifth grade, there are times whenever you, he's gone to Israel for a number of years and maybe we would like say something on Facebook back and forth or whatever, but I hadn't seen him in, in a number of years. And he comes to my house church that we had a house church at the moment. Do you remember doing this? Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember so, very well. So we were doing disciple making training and the one thing that stood out more than anything. And so this was probably like 10 years ago or something was me asking the question, Hey, um, what do you do when you wake up in the morning and don't feel like it? Like, I was just like, you know what I mean? Like you're just like, and then he, his response was, I tell myself that Jesus is worthy of the obedience of the nations, that he is so worthy because of what he did of obedience. And I thought that would be a good way to start to tie this together. And I remember like tearing up, listening to like the passion that, that, that he had in his voice whenever he said that. So that's back at Genesis 49. Um, So what does this mean? This grand story? How, how does this fuel every day, day in and day out, going to the grocery store, going to, you just shared with Seth and I earlier, level three bar in Murfreesboro going to where, you know, how does that, this idea of the Lord's return fuel that for you? And hopefully that can help our listeners get excited as well. That's good. This is, I've been excited to share this part. All right. Um, so there's uh, two parts in, and often what you do when you make disciples. One is the vision casting part, which requires more monologue style teaching. Mm-hmm. And then one is the disciple making part, which involves more discussion and, and it's more inductive. The process yes. is much more inductive and it's much more of a Jewish style of back and forth debate and and so oftentimes I feel like I'm split between these two worlds, <laughs> between the world of teaching and giving people a passion for the return of the Lord. And then this world of discovery yeah. and helping people discover. But um, I think that starting let, off, let me say that right here. Cause I think I'm going to pause for a minute. Cause I think in America, oftentimes we view disciple making as listening to a teacher. Yes. And then maybe we'll do something different. I don't really know. But what Isaac's talking about here is like this, this actual <laughs> disciple relationship with someone else where you're asking the question, like d- examples of we would go out and do things and he would say, now let's debrief. Let's talk about what did you learn? What went well? What didn't go well? And we would go back and forth. And, the, and so that type of relationship is totally different than watching a YouTube video or even watching what we're doing right here. So I just kind of want to make that clear. No, that's perfectly clear. And and so oftentimes when we, when we get into the end times, we think it's something that we sit down and we learn from a teacher yes. and we get impassioned through mostly a teaching, you know, a teaching setting. But the end times is actually emboldened me to be involved more in discovery, more in disciple making. And, uh, and so those two worlds are actually combined, Hmm. um, with this understanding of Yeshua's return. And it starts with the Yeshua 
deserves. He is worthy. We read that earlier in the first podcast of the obedience of every nation. In one version, it says the tribute mm-hmm. of every nation. And the reason I read this every morning is many years ago. This is, I always that he reads this every morning. Okay. <laughs> I read this every morning. It is my mission statement. Genesis 49, 10 is my mission statement for life. Wow. This is what emboldens me. I read it every morning. I remind myself of it every morning. I say it in English and in Hebrew. So, uh, and, and the reason why is I've always had a passion for the return of the Lord. I had that vision in 2005, but it's my passion for the return of the Lord was disconnected from my passion from the Great Commission. Mm. It was almost two separate things altogether. That makes sense. Like two emphasis, two different, like, you know, so you subcategorize yeah. things. This is the teaching part about the return of the Lord. Then I got a whole other disciple making peace. Peace, exactly. And my passion for people. And... And the Great Commission piece has always been a passion for people for me um, since a young age. You know, Jesus, Yeshua looked upon the crowds and he had compassion on them. And, you know, there's this reality that there is a divine destiny, whether we're coming into the kingdom or whether they're going to an eternal separation from God. And there's there's a level of travail for that Mm. that we need to have. Yeah. Um, But that had always been a primary reason for me to make disciples. Wow. And in 2010, my entire family kind of got burnt out, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, we had seen movements in, in, in different parts of Israel among Muslims and Jewish people, seen disciples made, but we kind of got burnt out. And when he says movements, I'll just clarify, this is a disciple making movement where mm-hmm. disciples are making disciples or making disciples to where, you know, he backs away and it doesn't fan, it doesn't stop the fire from going because he's trained and taught other disciples how to do the same thing. And it's going. So he's seeing a lot of success and Israel. And was this Myanmar at that time or no? Well, the nations, this because all the different places, that different you're places at. around and the world, different people he's training and teaching and, and he's always been a very much boots on the ground kind of guy as well. Mm-hmm. So he's not like, I'm going to sit in my you know, room and just train like in God. I think God has him doing some of that. And he's probably like, oh, let me get out in the field, yes. Lord. <laughs> but that, anyway, so I'll just kind of give him some background on what you're saying. No, that's so good. So, yeah. So the. Um, so in 2010, you were. So I was kind of burnt learned, out. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're making disciples, there is a lot of spiritual warfare. There's a lot of persecution. And if you're not prepared for it, it could lead to burnout. Mm. And you have to have something foundational inside of you to not only not burn out, but to burn for Jesus, to burn for the Lord and to be at a place where you never burnt out. And we burnt out. Um, And our primary uh, fuel for the Great Commission then was compassion for people. And we still have that compassion for people. It's, It's the second major fuel mm. but jesus said love god love people love people mm-hmm. if our primary mission in our, in our mission for everything holiness everything we do is primarily love god and secondarily the second the second fuel tank is love people mm-hmm. and if your primary fuel tank is if that order is off then you're going to get burnt out mm. you just go and go and do and do and do and serve mm-hmm. and serve and serve and other people and yeah yeah exactly and so and so I remember um, reading the account of Count Zinzendorf 
and uh, one of the founders of the Moravia, the founder of the Moravian Order, yeah. um, and and uh, and Herrenhut, Germany. And the story about, and everybody's probably heard this story, but the story, this was 2010, the story about where, where, um, you know, he was going to reach this, this young man in Hernhut wanted to reach this island of people um, that were basically an island of slaves. And the slave owner said, this island will never be reached with the gospel. And the Moravians were having a major missions movement prayer and missions movement together at that time and 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 this this young man his heart was broken that there would be nobody that would be able to bring the gospel to this island and so rather than going as a missionary he sold himself to slavery and went as a slave that was the only way to get in it was the only way to get in and um and the when they were crying and asking, why did you do this? We're never going to see you again. This is probably the last time we're going to see you in the community. He said that the lamb may receive the reward of his sufferings. And that's where that quote comes from that a lot of people quote. And I remember hearing that story for the first time in 2010. I'd read about the Moravians before, but I never read that That story. story. And it touched me so deeply that I realized my motivation for the great commission was off. Mm. Um, and, and, and while I was pondering this, God brought me to Genesis 49, 10. And when I read that, I'm like, this is where this young Moravian man got this idea that the heartbeat of the gospel, the heartbeat of sharing the gospel and the great commission was because the lamb will receive the reward of a suffering that Shiloh will, will, is worthy of the tribute of the nations. And, um, and since then, this has been a fire inside of me to really change people's perspective of why it even got to the point that in every disciple making training I give, um, I first give a teaching about motivation Mm. before I give them any practical skills. Yeah, that's good. That way it comes out of a fire inside of them, uh, to make disciples and in a sustainable fire. Yeah. Um, and not just out of, what do you call it? Out of mere human compassion. Yeah. And so, or, uh, obligation. obligation. Yeah. There's all kinds of reasons. Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of reasons. So, um, so one of the verses that God recently, um, had me into was, uh, Genesis, I mean, uh, Isaiah chapter 52. And in Isaiah chapter 52, I'm, I'm, I've just been meditating on this chapter for like a year now. I'm, I read the scriptures every day, different scriptures, but this chapter is just like a hallmark chapter for me this year. And, and one of the, the parts that I really love in this chapter is when, um, when there's that part that says that in the whole chapter is an eschatological chapter, by the way, mm-hmm. um, it starts with awake, awake, O Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Dress yourself with beauty, the holy city of God. It's talking about the beautification of Zion, of Jerusalem, at the return of the Lord. That's literally what it's about. And then Israel's restoration, the redemption of Israel. And as it gets into the redemption of Israel, then it says something that Paul quotes in Romans chapter 10 as the primary motivation of why we need to make disciples. Paul gives that motivation in Romans chapter 10, and he quotes this verse that blessed are the feet of those who bring good news, who share good tidings, who say to Zion, 
your God reigns. Mm-hmm. Just say to Zion, your God reigns. And then it later returns about, it goes on to say about how the na- the nations are going to come to your glory and going to worship you. Yeah. Amen. And this is a verse about the return of the Lord to Zion. And so if we catch it for a minute, we usually quote that verse saying that, that, um, the feet of those who bring good news, we usually read that as, as people going to share, so the, going gospel. To share the gospel. Exactly. Yes. But if you read it closely, it has nothing to do with going out to share the gospel. It's not people going to the nations to share about God. It's actually the nations coming to Jerusalem at the return of the Lord to declare a decree that your God reigns. In other words, the rule and the reign of God. We recognize the rule and the reign of God from where we're coming from. And that's good news to Zion. Yeah. So the Jewish people in the nation of Israel are going to see a sign in the wonder when their king is going to receive the obedience of the nations. And so the description is literally these emissaries from the nations coming to Zion to bring tribute to Israel's king, yep. which is powerful. And Sheesh. that's what Paul claims in Romans 10, the primary motivation for sharing the gospel is. When it says, how will they know unless there's a preacher? Yeah. How will they know for what? For this day, mm-hmm. when the nations are going to contribute, we're going to bring tribute and their obedience and say, they're going to bow their knee as an emissary. And they're going to say, our nation submits to the rule and reign of Israel's king good can you imagine that moment there won't be a dry eye in the, ha- in the house <laughs> <laughs> and it's good news to zion yes israel's going to look at this and say it's our king our messiah from our nation who's yeah. ruling on the throne of david that these nations are going to come to the light of god that we the god of abraham isaac and jacob our god yeah and it's going to be a beautiful moment. Yeah. And so that is my motivation for sharing the gospel. It's not only because how do those nations make that decision? How do those nations decide to surrender? How does that take place? Yeah. Through. And I think part of that is saying, you know, I can get ready for that day now. Mm, and that's right. What, what it means to make a disciple really is to prepare them for that day. Yeah. Is to prepare them to, uh, come under the rule and reign of King right. Yeshua now before they're forced to when he comes later. Uh, and there's a big difference. <laughs> the oh, difference yeah. is huge. Yeah. And so a, as we're ministering to people and making disciples, it's like he is coming. How, how do we now begin to operate under that rule and reign uh, and, and see that change in our families and in our workplaces and help bring other people into that kingdom reality? And that's why we are so passionate about talking about making disciples, mm. uh, you know, and, and not just getting converts as we talked about, like we are teaching them. I mean, Jesus says, teach them to obey everything that I commanded. Like, this is why this is what, what, what I was talking about is this is the motivation. Why is he even saying that? Because he knows this day is coming and he, and he desires a people and he desires nations that lovingly, joyfully right. say, I can't wait to declare that before you, Yeshua, that you are our king. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're, 
day in and day out, inviting people into that 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 declaration and lifestyle lived out under the rulership of Yeshua now. And so that it's just a beautiful, a beautiful, gorgeous day of us saying, well, we've been doing it. Keep it going. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. And there is a kingdom of the world that is in operation right now. Mm. And it, it will be usurped. But, but we have to <laughs> choose. <laughs> we have to choose to partner with the kingdom of light yeah. now. Right now. Today is the day. And we, we should not wait. Um, so if you're waiting for anything, I say do not wait any longer. <laughs> today is the day to partner with the coming kingdom of Jesus and to step out of the darkness and step into the light. Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. Mm. You know, whenever we talk about these things and whenever you guys were speaking, it's amazing when we talk about Jesus and what he's passionate for, mm. the presence of God comes in our midst. Oh, yeah. And I feel when both of you were talking now and sharing that, I just felt a wave mm. of God's presence just kissing this message mm. in our midst. And I, you guys felt it. I, oh, I even sure. had to remain silent for a minute when you guys were speaking, like just lay back. And did you guys feel that? Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, God's <laughs> in the room. He blesses and kisses this it's message. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> yeah. But what is, what is, what is the father zealous for? So that's exactly why <laughs> Isaiah chapter nine, it says that he will put his son on David's throne. Yeah. And he will establish it with justice and righteousness. And then now this is Isaiah nine that we quote every Christmas, right? Yes. About the government being on his shoulders, like this whole section at the beginning of Isaiah, we're talking about those kind of things. So keep going. No, that's exactly right. We, and we often miss this part. It says he's going to put him on the throne of David and establish it with mm. righteousness and justice. And then it goes on to say in Hebrew, which in Hebrew means in the English, it's translated, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. In the Hebrew, the word for zeal there is kina, which means the fiery jealousy of God. Mm. God's entire nature of zeal is around this event in mm. which his son sits on the throne of David. You can also see that in Psalm 2. Yeah. When it says, you know, that... Um, the nations of the world conspire a vain thing yeah. against mm. against God and against his Messiah, his anointed king, coming anointed king that's going to sit in Jerusalem. And God in heaven laughs. And then in his anger, he tells the nations, kiss the son, mm. give tribute to him. Mm -hmm. Or I, God, will come, will be angry and my wrath will come upon you. Mm. So even God's wrath, is around recognizing the right of his son's rulership on this throne of David yeah. and Zion. Well, Isaac, I, I think this is a perfect time for this question for you. I know you've been waiting for this I've, question. I've been waiting for this question. <laughs> I have to interject. Um, I think a lot of us, even growing up, especially as children, we have this idea, and it's not a bad thing. We have this idea of Jesus as this, you know, loving, kind, gentle, like wouldn't hurt a fly, wouldn't touch a fly um, mentality. But we see what you're saying as this kind of, wrathful exacting vengeance and justice and really slaying people we've seen revelation blood up to the horse's bridle um this great wrath being poured out by god by jesus how do we reconcile that so that we're not offended when he does come that is an amazing question because there's going to be a lot of offense 
um, at his return. As a matter of fact, the Bible prophesies a great falling away. And I often imagine this great falling away is around, and we're beginning to see it now, aren't we? Around the idea of his wrath and coming to terms with the wrath of God and having a heavenly view. We, we've Humanism has, you know, basically, um, Western humanism has watered down um, this idea of wrath being the wrath of God being a good thing. It's almost mocked. Mm. And I mean, you can see that in the deconstructionist movement. I, 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 I see deconstruction, even people who remain Christians, but try to deconstruct their Christian faith to, to a different Jesus that is void of his wrath and his judgment, which oftentimes comes from a complete disconnect with the God of the Torah, the God of Tanakh. Like, you yes. know what I mean? Like it's and like, that would always bother me. And it would be like, because I've heard many people say, well, I just look at Jesus because he's the best reflection. And I'm like, ah, you are really making a mistake here. And, and that's what you have to do to get to that place. Yes. That's what you have you to have to do. And they're not even looking at the full picture of Jesus. No, yeah, no. I mean, I can go to I mean. Jesus. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> and, um, but you know, in revelation chapter five, there's a scene in the throne room that John has, which is very interesting. And and in the scene, there's a cry in heaven. And the cry in heaven is, and we often sing this song, and we have no clue what we're singing, by the way. <laughs> we sing it as if it's this nice, beautiful song, but then we realize, oh, what's this talking about? And um, But we in this scene, we, we there's this cry that goes out, is who is worthy to open up the scrolls oh, yeah. and break its seals? And no one was found worthy, so all the heaven wept. And then there was a voice that cried out, we found one worthy, the righteous one, Yeshua, of this, because he, he was the land that was slain. And all of heaven broke out into a worship, a worship, uh, a grandiose worship meeting, one of the best worship meetings in the throne of heaven because they found one worthy to open the scrolls and break its seals. And you're like, oh, let's, and then we spiritualize that. But then if you go to Revelation chapter six, you see what those scrolls and those seals are. (laughs) And they're the wrath of God poured out on the earth intentionally by God. God is the author of his own wrath. Oftentimes people think that our choices, no, God is part of God's nature is his wrath. Part of God's nature is his grace and mercy. And we have to come to terms with both of them. And so you think about that. Wait a minute. Heaven was weeping yeah. when the wrath of God could not be poured out. It was considered a mm-hmm. tragic event that no one was found worthy, which is interesting, which means we're not the author of wrath. There's only one who's found worthy yeah. to be the author None of wrath. None of us can. None of us can. So None that's one can. revelation from that passage. Yeah. Um, not, we are not the executors of the wrath of God. Only God is, only Jesus, only the one found worthy. He's the only one worthy to open up the scrolls and break the seals of wrath. But it was considered a tragedy that he couldn't. Yeah. And then it was considered jubilant worship and wild praise at this idea that now the wrath of God can be poured out on humanity. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, heaven has a different view yes. of the wrath of God than, than yeah. we do. That's right. Yeah. And without the wrath of God, there's no justice. That's the point. Like, mm-hmm. that's the point. The, the earth is crying out. Like, we, we talked about justice earlier, and we're crying out for things to be set right. Mm-hmm. And it can't be set right without the wrath of God. And so that's why we cry out. We're crying out, God, 
Like, I mean, there's, there's that part of us that are going, okay, Lord, we have family, we have people like, cause I know there's a lot of people that are scared of this idea Yes, that we want, we want to wait. Cause I don't want my grandmama to, uh, not to be forever separated you know, from the Lord and not be in his kingdom. Um, and yet there, so there is that tension of that. And yet that cry to go, man, things are just jacked up. King Jesus, take your throne. And I know it's going to be a bloody mess. But we long for that because we long for your justice. A hundred percent. And the mercy and the grace of God within the wrath of God, yeah. outside of God bringing justice to the earth where there's no more war, no more pain. That's, right. That's, that is the result of his wrath. There's right. no more, no more pain, no more That's swords it. will be put into plowshares. But the mercy of God before that is there's all these entails in the scripture. Yeah. That God is like, I'm patient to pour out my wrath, which basically when people cry out for justice, it's a form of intercession yeah. that's filled up in bowls that God is waiting to pour out that's bowls right. of wrath. And God is like, I'm not pouring out these bowls yet. Yeah. Not only until intercession is fulfilled, but until the times are fulfilled that's in right. which every nation has the chance to hear the gospel right. until every chance to obey the coming rule of King Jesus yep. until every person, until the ends of the earth have a chance that, and that is God's, but you know what, as we're waiting, those, those bowls yeah. of unjust, the cries of injustice that people are experiencing on the earth are filling yes. bowls that God is patiently holding back until he gives everyone a chance. That's right. And that's so, uh, John King has kind of given this analogy that in order for us to understand the true character of God, it's like a guitar string huh. and you have to be, it has to have both sides or the note cannot be played well. So if you got this side that's focused on the wrath of God, but you never think about his mercy, then you, then it, you can't ever play the note. We can't actually articulate who God is. Mm. And so like, as I'm, we're talking huh. about, we're talking, I like that. I like you? that too. Like I you like have to have the tension on both sides. It's, mm. it's, it, they're together. They're who, who he is. But on top of that, like you're, t we're talking about wrath, and then we're, and like we look at Peter, and there's this idea of people basically mocking, going, "Who? What's your God doing? He's taking forever. What's going on?" And Peter's like, "No, it's 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 not that he's taking forever. It's it's not that he's it's that he wishes that none would perish. Like mm -hmm. that, like he doesn't want anyone." to be forever separated from him. And so he has this peace in him going, justice has to be had, but man, I don't want one lost and one won't be. And like, ah, it's so beautiful. It is. It's so beautiful. But that's where we participate in his mission and we go, yes, it's coming, but we don't want anyone lost. And and, and, and we want to participate in bringing every, every lost sheep in. We want every lost sheep of Israel. We want to go to the Jewish people. We want to do all these things. <sighs> yeah getting in there I, I've got a question just to kind of go back to the practical mission side of this um, yes how does this understanding help us embrace suffering mm. um, and persecution and famine and sword I mean how, how do these things that happen to us on the mission field or or in our lives that we're suffering because of the name how does this hope then give us fuel for our suffering that's a that's a really good question. You know, in the book of Revelation, one of the untils of the return of the Lord is until the full number of martyrs. That mm, it's true. And so there is actually a full number of martyrs and there's actually a cry from the mar these full number of martyrs that are crying out, "When will you avenge our blood?" Yeah. And and martyrdom 
is you know one Tertullian said that you know the the blood of the martyrs is the seed, seed of, of the, the church. church, and so persecution. You read in Hebrews eleven. We were talking about this earlier off 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 mic, um, but um, Hebrews chapter eleven talks a lot about persecution and suffering and about how all these people longed for a coming day that they didn't see. Mm -hmm. And yet they went through sawing. They went through all this persecution, all these hard times in light of the day that they saw. And that's why faith is the substance of the thing that's hoped for, which is the return of the Lord. Yes. And when the son of man returns, it says, will he find faith in the earth yeah. and we have to have faith in something we have this faith and this great hope to come which is the resurrection the resurrection our physical bodies are going to be resurrected yeah. from the dead that's what hebrews 11 says that abraham gave his son isaac believing in a greater yeah. resurrection he had this hope and that's what faith is and that's what grows our faith this side of this side of the return of the lord is is enduring hardship, knowing that he's returning. Listen to this. I want you guys to hear this. It's mentioned several times in scriptures. And I want you guys to hear this deeply in your heart. He is re- returning with a reward mm-hmm. in his hand. Yeah. Which that puts the earthly things that we put so much of our time, energy, money into look like dung. Yeah. I want that. Run in such a way that you win the prize. What is that prize? The reward he has in his hand. Yeah. At his return at the resurrection of the dead. And, um, and I do want to, I guess I want to kind of, I don't know how much time we have left. We're, it's basically done, but if we need a couple more minutes, we can do a little bit longer if we need so to. So I'll, I'll end with this, that um, a lot of us, there's there's many different types of eschatologies out there, all millennialism, post-millennialism. We don't have to get in all of them, but there's one view called um, dispensationalism or mm. or a pre-trib rapture, dispensational premillennialism. I'm, I'm a historical premillennialist, meaning I'm a, a premillennial post-tribber meaning the return of the Lord and the rapture are the same event. But um, with that, oftentimes I challenge my pre-trib friends a couple of things. I ask them, number one, Paul describes what you describe as the rapture as the great hope. Are you telling me the great hope it's from the scary. time of now is for one generation to escape a little bit of trouble? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like a great hope no. to me. Um the second thing that that I'm thinking about is that that the the what we do call the rapture when we meet the Lord in the air, um, if you don't view that as an escape from persecution, don't view that as as okay. We need to escape suffering. We need to escape martyrdom. We need to escape persecution, and even this idea of God's wrath. I believe God's going to protect us mm-hmm. when His wrath is poured out. Mm-hmm. But um, are we escaping all that? Are we escaping hardship? That that's a wrong message to send because we're built up through hardship. I, yeah. I remember Bill Johnson just saying this week that mm. this t- this side of eternity is the only time we get the even privilege to give the Lord an offering during hardship. Mm-hmm. We won't have that in eternity. So that's actually a gift for us mm. this side of wow. eternity. Um, Bill Johnson said that about his wife passing this week, um, and I thought that was so so yeah, profound. That's good. Yeah. And, but the return of the Lord, 
when he returns, it's not going to be to escape to heaven. That's not the purpose of meeting him in the air. The purpose of meeting him in the air, it's so much of a greater purpose than to escape hardship. The purpose of meeting him in the air is a coronation, procession. We're meeting him for procession, and those who are dead are going to rise first. And we're meeting him for procession to Jerusalem and participating with his role to bring an end to all things evil and to coronate him as king and for a wedding feast of us marrying him. That's what the purpose of the rapture is. It's not to take us to heaven to escape hardship and persecution. It's to take us to Jerusalem in procession. And that's such a much greater hope for me. When I look up, I'm like, I'm looking up to procession to coronate a king in Jerusalem. Yes. Yeah. To join. Right. To yes. join with, yes. To join in his sufferings. Mm. Yeah. To share in his sufferings. Share in his sufferings. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's great. Okay. Well, that was really awesome. Maybe we'll do a part, another part of it before he heads over to old. I have a little uh, bit of time. Yeah, we can do some more. We'll, uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we, we may pause it for today and then come back soon. We'll need to get some more of this because it's been so good. Um, Seth, do you want to pray as we. I've got a different idea for the exit. Yeah. What if we just say, come Lord Jesus together? Oh, yeah. Okay. On the count of three. One, two, three. Come, come Lord, Lord Jesus. Jesus.